The Tiger Tamer Who Went to Sea from History Extra charts the life of a remarkable Victorian, Britain's original long-distance wheelbarrow pedestrian. New episodes are out every Thursday or listen to the whole series immediately ad-free by subscribing to History Extra Plus on Apple Podcasts or listening on historyextra.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As I'm sure you already know, this podcast is produced by the team behind BBC History magazine, and we're pleased to bring you a very special offer. Subscribe to BBC History magazine today, and you can choose a book worth up to £30. Choose from either Queens of the Crusades by Alison Weir, The Children of Ashen Elm by Neil Price, Agent Sonia by Ben McIntyre, or The Story of China by Michael Wood. Not only that, you'll also get every issue of BBC History magazine delivered direct to your door, all from just £22.45. To take advantage of this fantastic offer, visit our official online store at buysubscriptions.com forward slash history book. This promotion is only available for UK residents and while stocks last. You'll receive your book within 28 days of ordering. Welcome to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, Britain's best-selling history magazine. I'm Ellie Cawthorn. I hope you're feeling festive, because on today's episode, we've got something a little different to mark the Christmas season. It's our annual festive quiz, a collection of fiendishly difficult questions inspired by some of the most weird and wonderful facts on the history of Christmas. Our questions were written by the historian and QI elf Justin Pollard, and as you'll hear, read by members of our team. So get your pens and paper at the ready, and best of luck. So first up, we've got round one, Humbug. And asking the questions in this round is BBC History Magazine's deputy editor, Matt Elton. OK, question one. What did you get for celebrating Christmas in Massachusetts in the 1600s? Is it A, a five shilling fine, B, a free turkey, or C, expelled from the community. Question two, where might you see a donkey stoning? Is it A, on your doorstep, B, a medieval Lapland, or C, on a Victorian Christmas card illustration? Question three, what did Swedish revellers typically do at the end of a knuts party? Was it A, kiss each other, B, jump in the snow, or C, throw the Christmas tree out of the window? Question four. What did 2,590 Britons decide to do on Christmas Day 2017? Was it A, skydive, B, file their tax return, or C, celebrate Easter? Question five. Where were anti-Christmases popular in the 1920s? Was it A, the USSR, B, Germany, or C, the United States? (laughs) 
So next up, we've got round two called Going for a Song. And asking the questions this round, we've got our digital editorial assistant, Rachel Dinning. Question one. Which of these carols is sometimes attributed to King John IV of Portugal? Is it A, I saw three ships, B, O come all ye faithful, or C, little donkey? Question two. What did the holly and the ivy originally represent in the carol? Is it A, the king and queen, B, Mary and Joseph, or C, Jesus and Mary? Question three. Good King Wenceslas is set to a version of a 13th century carol usually sung when? Is it A, St Stephen's Day, B, late summer, or C, early spring? Question four. In We Wish You a Merry Christmas, what else were you traditionally proffered? Is it A, a happy new year, B, a conscious all clear, or C, a pocket full of money and a cellar full of beer? Question five. The Carol of the Bells is based on a traditional folk song from where? Is it A, Ukraine, B, France, or C, Norway? So now we're going to move on to our third round, which is called A Commercial Christmas. So asking the questions this round, we've got Kev Lotchen, who is production editor on BBC History Revealed magazine. Question one. Who published the world's most popular Christmas book? Is it A, Bloomsbury, B, Madonna, or C, Guinness? Question two, why did Father Christmas stop smoking a pipe? Was it A, he realised it was bad for him, B, his wife made him, or C, he started drinking Coca-Cola? Question three, who wrote Britain's first royal Christmas message to the nation? Was it A, Rudyard Kipling, B, the King, or C, the Prime Minister. Question four. Which role in a traditional children's nativity play is the best indicator of high earnings in later life? Is it A, an ox, B, Mary, or C, the shepherds? And question five. When might you have seen Queen Elizabeth II dressed as a man? Would it be A, in a panto, B, in disguise, or C, in adverts? Now we've got round four, which is all about Christmas's past. And asking the questions this round, we have BBC History Magazine's sub-editor, Rhiannon Davies. So question one, who had an immaculate conception? Is it A, the Virgin Mary, B, St Anne, or C, Queen Mary? Question two, who forked out for the most expensive Christmas dinner in... 1252. Was it A, King Henry III, B, the Archbishop of York, or C, the Archbishop of Canterbury? Question number three. Who was the patron saint of the Viking Varangian Guard? Is it A, St George, B, St Michael, or C, Santa Claus? Question four. What was the first missile thrown in the American Revolutionary War? Is it A, a snowball, B, a mince pie, or C, a bundle of mistletoe? Question five, when were your halcyon days? A, during your school days, B, around Christmas, C, around New Year. And now we've got our fifth and final round called Deck the Halls. Question number one, 
Which of these could you find in English homes before the Christmas tree became prevalent? Is it A, the kissing bunch, B, the merry bow, or C, the drinking stick? Question two. Why couldn't Charles Dickens eat his Christmas turkey in 1869? Is it A, they weren't available in England at that date, B, it caught fire, or C, he was dying? Number three. What did the placing of a mistletoe branch on the high altar of York Minster on Christmas Eve indicate? A, that the congregation could kiss the dean, B, that the congregation could kiss each other, or C, a general amnesty for criminals. Number four. A turkey in bowling means three strikes in a row. But what is turkey bowling? Is it A, bowling with a frozen turkey, B, a dish made from turkey leftovers, or C, repeatedly bowling turkeys? And finally, question five. Why were holly bushes traditionally left uncut in British hedges? A. To provide holly wreaths for Christmas. B. To provide food for birds. Or C. To prevent witches from running along hedges. So thanks very much for listening. You've had all the questions and hopefully you may have got some of them right. So now we've got time for the answers. So first up, we're going to return to round one, humbug. And give us the answers to that round is Matt Elton. So question one was, what did you get for celebrating Christmas in Massachusetts in the 1600s? The answer was A, a five shilling fine. Under strict Puritan rules, Christmas was not simply to be left uncelebrated, but actively ignored with the ordinance, anybody who is found observing by abstinence from labour, feasting or any other way, any such days as Christmas Day, shall pay for every offence five shillings. Question two where might you see a donkey stoning? The answer was A, on your doorstep. Donkey stones were made from a mixture of pulverised stone, cement, bleach powder and water and used to create a decorative finish on doorsteps in the days when scrubbing the doorstep was a matter of social pride. Um, question three, what did Swedish revellers typically do at the end of a knuts party? The answer was C, throw the Christmas tree out of the window. A Knuts party is a traditional celebration in Sweden on St Knuts Day, 13th of January, which marks the end of the Christmas and holiday season. The climax of the party traditionally involves throwing the Christmas tree out of the window. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Question four. What did 2,590 Britons decide to do on Christmas Day 2017? The answer was B, file their tax return. According to HMRC, 2,590 people spent Christmas Day filling in their online tax returns. And question five, where were anti-Christmases popular in the 1920s? 
The answer was A, the USSR. The USSR's youth organisation, Komsomol, held anti-Christmas processions with trucks bearing clowns mocking God, a figure of God embracing a naked woman, and mock priests and rabbis chanting indecent versions of religious liturgies and standing in ridiculous poses. This parade culminated in images of Buddha, Christ, Muhammad and Osiris being burned on the bonfire. So next up we'll turn to Rachel for the answers for round two. Um, so question one was, which of these carols is sometimes attributed to King John IV of Portugal? And the answer was B, O Come All Ye Faithful. The carol, sometimes referred to as the Portuguese hymn, is sometimes attributed to King John IV. Known as the Musician King, he reigned from 1640 to 1656. John was a patron of music and the arts and a composer. During his reign, he collected one of the largest musical libraries in the world, which was destroyed in the 1755 Lisbon earthquake. Question two was, what did the holly and the ivy originally represent in the carol? And the answer was C, Jesus and Mary. The holly represents Jesus, the prickles being the crown of thorns, and the red berries his blood, and the ivy represents his mother, the Virgin Mary. Question three was, Good King Wenceslas is set to a version of a 13th century carol usually sung when? And the answer was C, Early Spring. Hymn writer John Mason Neal's 1853 lyric was set to the melody of a 13th century spring carol, Tempus Adest Floridum, The Time Is Near for Flowering, which was first published in a 1582 Finnish song collection. Question four was, in We Wish You a Merry Christmas, what else were you traditionally proffered? And the answer was C, a pocket full of money and a cellar full of beer. Early 19th century versions of the carol offer more than glad tidings and variously include beer, money and a pantry full of good roast beef. Question five was, the Carol of the Bells is based on a traditional folk song from where? The answer was A, Ukraine. The song is based on the Ukrainian folk chant Shedrik, which was originally sung on the night of January the 13th, New Year's Eve, in the Julian calendar. And now on to round three, a commercial Christmas. Question one was, who published the world's most popular Christmas book? And the answer was C, Guinness. Guinness never intended to sell its Guinness Book of Records, but planned to hand out free copies to 80,000 pubs. But in a run-up to Christmas 1955, Demand from people wanting their own copy was so great that it went on sale and quickly gained the record for being the best-selling annual publication in history. Question two was, why did Father Christmas stop smoking a pipe? And the answer was C, he switched to drinking Coca-Cola. In the most common images of Father Christmas from the 19th century, he carried a pipe. But in the 1930s, the image of Santa we know today was popularised by Haddon H. Sundblom for the Coca-Cola ads, and Santa lost his pipe perhaps because he needed his hands free to hold bottles of fizzy pop. Question three was, who wrote Britain's first royal Christmas message to the nation? And the answer was A, Rudyard Kipling. Wanting to get the tone just right, the first Christmas message was professionally scribed by Kipling, but today the Queen writes her own speech. Question four was, in which role in a traditional children's nativity play is the best indicator of high earnings in later life? And the answer was A, an ox. According to a 2019 study, oxes did best in later life, followed by Gabriel's, then Mary's, and then Joseph's. Lambs did the worst. (laughs) And question five was, when might you have seen the Queen dressed as a man? The answer was A, in Panto. During the Second World War, the future Queen, 
then Princess Elizabeth, took part in a number of pantomimes which were held in the Waterloo Chamber at Windsor Castle. In a 1941 performance of Cinderella, she played the part of Prince Florizel. And now we've got the answers for round four on all things Christmas's past. So question one was who had an immaculate conception and the answer was B, St Anne. St Anne had an immaculate conception when she conceived Mary without any original sin. This should not be confused with the virginal conception of Jesus by Mary. Question two was who forked out for the most expensive Christmas dinner in 1252? And the answer to that was B, the Archbishop of York. In 1252, Henry III hosted a lavish Christmas feast in York for 1,000 guests. But it ended up being the Archbishop of York rather than the king himself who footed much of the bill. Not only did he contribute 600 oxen to the feast, but also £2,700 in cash. That's over 2.5 million in today's money. Question three was who was the patron saint of the Viking Varingian Guard? And the answer was C, Santa Claus. Byzantine Viking bodyguards known as the Varangian Guard had their own patron saint, Saint Nicholas of Myra, or Santa Claus as he's more commonly known. Question four was what was the first missile thrown in the American Revolutionary War? And the answer to that was A, a snowball. The Boston Massacre, often seen as the spark that lit the Revolutionary War, began when a group of young boys threw a snowball at a British soldier. The ensuing skirmish rapidly got out of hand and turned into a full-blown riot in which five colonists died. Question five was when were your halcyon days and the answer to which was B, around Christmas. The halcyon was a bird of Greek legend commonly identified with the European kingfisher. The ancients believed that the bird made a floating nest in the Aegean Sea and her father had the power to calm the waves while she was brooding her eggs. Fourteen days of calm weather were to be expected when the halcyon was nesting, around the winter solstice, usually the 21st or 22nd of December. And finally, we've got the answers to round five, Deck the Halls. So question one was, which of these could you find in English homes before the Christmas tree became prevalent? And the answer was A, the kissing bunch. Previous to the Christmas tree, the kissing bunch, or bough, had been the centrepiece of Christmas decor in many English homes, with its lighted candles stuck in apples and its branch of mistletoe. Number two, why couldn't Charles Dickens eat his Christmas turkey in 1869? And the answer was B, it caught fire. What would have been Dickens's last Christmas turkey, because he died a few months later, was due to be delivered by Great Western Railways in a horse box laden with parcels which caught fire, destroying the contents. And question number three was what did the placing of a mistletoe branch on the high altar of York Minster on Christmas Eve indicate? And the answer was C, a general amnesty for criminals. The Dean placed mistletoe at the high altar and made a public and universal liberty, pardon and freedom of all sorts of inferior and wicked people at the Minster Steps and the gates of the city towards the four quarters of heaven. In York, this was long held to mean an amnesty for local criminals on Christmas Eve if they came to the Minster. Question number four was a turkey in bowling is three strikes in a row, but what is turkey bowling? And the answer was A, bowling with a frozen turkey. Turkey bowling is an American sport, a cross between 10-pin bowling and curling, 
where Skittles, which are usually water bottles, are knocked down by bowling a frozen turkey on a smooth surface at them. And the final question of the quiz was number five, why were holly bushes traditionally left uncut in British hedges? And the answer is C, to prevent witches from running along the hedges. In the 17th century, it was commonly thought that witches travelled by running along hedge tops and hence by leaving holly bushes protruding from them, the witches would be impeded. <laughs> so we'd just like to wish you a happy Christmas from all of the BBC History Magazine team and also have a great new year. And to anyone whose child's playing a lamb this year, apologies. Merry, Merry Christmas! Christmas! Today's questions were written by Justin Pollard and this podcast was produced by Ben Hewitt and Jack Bateman. Join us tomorrow for an archive episode on the Windrush generation. Yay!